I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Hasta la vista, baby. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Broken English podcast. You're here with Bola and Hugo. Both of us have caffeine because apparently that's what we rely upon. I'm doing the branding as always. Bola's doing the branding sometimes, but he he tends to like his uh, local coffee shops and I tend to like my free coffee. (laughs) Well, it's not free unless you have uh, farmed it yourself. Technically, (laughs) well, I mean, it's free to me because there's a promotion going on at a gas station. You just show your, your loyalty card at the gas station. You get your free coffee. Now the, so there comes the question now that you're not tasting coffee. If oh, you're from a gas station coffee. I mean, I'm not talking about quality here. I'm not alluding to quality. There is no quality. Right. It is. It's just caffeine flavored water. Oh, right, right. That's all you need. That's all. It's dependency, you know. We all have our addictions. There might be gasoline in that, just to just to let you know. That's why it's free. It's runoffs. It's just a runoff. If run it off. works, it works. If it works, it works. Don't drink it in your open flames. I'll just just warn you. Speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, today I want to talk about underrated movies. Right. Underrated movies. Because in my lifespan, in my long, long lifespan, I've seen a lot of movies come and go where, you know, you typically have your, you have, you typically have your movies that go in and they're all completely forgettable. But once in a while, as probably many of us have observed or experienced that, something comes along and it's like it doesn't seem to, it didn't seem to get the, the respect or the, the the attention it deserved or the recognition it deserved right like it just it should have been it should have been a bigger movie now for whatever now this happens for an assortment of reasons right that you can get into but there's just been a lot of movies over the probably well probably since the inception of film right that have just come along and then they just really didn't get the the glamour they should have deserved do any in particular stand out for you? There's a, there's a couple. There's a few that stand out to me. I mean, there's where would I start? We could go back into the past here, and like I have a list here. For example, well, just recently, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, I thought that movie was a. Uh, it it just seemed to have the same fate as the original movie had, where right it was just this. It seemed like it was just it had a cult following but it just never really uh i I believe both of them were box off technically box office flops right Mm -hmm. um i never watched the original well the thing is i never i well i did watch the original blade runner but i was obviously too young to see it to see it when it came out so i don't know what was the what was it like at that time but i mean i was there for when it um for the sequel and I'm not saying I was the biggest Blade Runner fan to begin with, right? I love science fiction. I de- that definitely that was uh, got me to go see it because I love science fiction. And you know, I thought I thought the original was decent. I know that might be sacrilegious to some people who are listening. I mean, it was enjoy the the original was enjoyable, but I really loved the sequel where Ryan Gosling. Um, 
I, I think it was almost, I can probably say it was a masterpiece, but as we know, it technically was a flop. And to me, it was just, it was surprising. And I just didn't get why. I mean, I have my own theories in terms of why it didn't get, get the, the recognition in the box office that um, I think it should have deserved. Did you see it? I didn't. I saw some of them. Oh, you saw okay. Um, again, I saw it. You know, I, I would have been tired or whatever when I saw, it and I didn't end up seeing the whole thing. Okay. Like you, I saw the original, but I saw the original within the past five years. And yeah. If anyone's listening to this in two thousand nineteen, <laughs> the past five years right. would have been twenty fifteen through twenty twenty. The film itself, I believe, came out in the seventies, maybe the eighties. I think it was the eighties. Is the late um, eighties or mid? Yeah, yeah, eighties actually. Yeah, came out in the eighties. I, I think it may have been the earlier end of it. Well, it who was, knows? It was somewhere in the eighties. Yeah, and I remember because, of course, Ridley Scott had a great decade there with Alien yeah. and all these other films. Yeah, but nevertheless, when I saw Blade Runner, I saw it at the worst possible point, as in the the original, because I saw it after all the hype. And the Ask problem was seeing it after after all the hype. And the problem with seeing a film after all the hype is you go into it with the expectation yeah. this is going to be amazing. That's why I don't like I, if someone tells me a film is good, great. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to be bombarded with it because then you will set it up too high. Like for example, you you told me that the Joker was amazing, and so yeah. when I went in yeah. and I first saw it, I was like, oh no, this is this is good, but it's not amazing. And then I saw it a second time, and oh, I realized. Really? Actually, you know what, Bola, you were right. It was <laughs> fucking good. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. Yeah, the second time I much preferred it. Right. The second time I preferred it because my expectations didn't exist because I'd seen it. When I saw it the second time, I looked at it from more of an, an analytical stance of what's this like as a film? How's the acting? How's this, that, and the third? I, I really didn't go in with the pressure that I did with uh, the viewing when I first saw it. Right. But I digress. Basically, with regards to the reason that films like the current Blade Runner and films of its ilk seem to be flopping are because we really don't tend to have the audiences performing like they should. Because it seems like there's now a, a very different division mm. in film audiences whereby you have your Netflix crowd who want a specific type of film or a specific type of convenience or primarily, and there are exceptions, but primarily have people that go to the cinema that want to see a specific form of cookie cutter, theatrical explosion right. film. Right. Maybe superheroes are involved. And Blade <laughs> Runner, while it had the idea of being grandiose, visually interesting and all these other things, yeah. it seemed like in my opinion, for some people, it would be uh, more of a thought-provoking two, two and a half hours, however long it was, rather than just, I'll go there and then forget about it five minutes later. Right. I think you, I think you did touch a point. <clears throat> I think one of the reasons for one of my leading theories is why it didn't do as well as the bo box office-wise was that it just wasn't your typical, you know, blow them up kind of cookie cutter production right it was something that was supposed to be a little bit more thought-provoking and deeper so it wasn't it didn't have the same pace as like a yeah, superhero flick or something like that mm -hmm. and 
maybe it just didn't that because of that it doesn't bring out the same amount of numbers or the same amount of people as you would for you know an avengers film but i think what's happening though is with referring to it as a flop we're kind of taking away from the idea of what your original premise was of if it's underrated or not Un- right. because we we're we're marrying the two of commercial success and of quality and it's not the same thing True. as we both know so what i, so what why I say, do you think when i say underrated i just mean um it's kind of like you can put it into two kind of categories box office performance and let's just say uh audience ex- exception of it or something like that it's just so this is just one aspect of it right where this one it's like i know it was really critically it was reviewed well i believe i'm pretty sure it was critically yeah. but uh it's just for box office it just didn't do well right i I'm just going to quickly check here to see how it was on IMDb because I don't remember it getting, I remember a lot of people saying it was a letdown. Now, I guess... I myself haven't seen it, as I say. Yeah. I wouldn't wonder with the people who thought it was a letdown, what exact, uh, where they were coming from, right? Were they fans of the original... That kind well, of apparently, thing. you know, it is getting a good amount of reviews. Like on IMDb, it's yeah. got an 8 out of 10. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. He, he always comes out with quality. It was quality. I mean, like I'll tell you, it's just everything about it I liked. It, but I recognize watching it, it's a slow, I call it a slow burn. It's right. it's not It's not an action piece every 5 or 10 minutes, right? It's just... It's kind of, it's, I wouldn't compare it to The Godfather, but it's, you know, it's not something that's supposed to be some sort of spectacle, action-packed, you know, uh, one action scene to the other with all these uh, cookie-cutter characters and motifs and cliches and things like that. It just moves at a certain pace, and I think that might be, it's, a, it's meant to be more of art than spectacle. So That's how I felt about you... it. But why would you call it underrated? Underrated that it's for, for box office reasons. And then second of all, it's like the reception to it, just in terms of the reception to it. I don't know if this is going to go down as another cult classic mm-hmm. or or what people, what the general, cons- what would I say? It's hard to know what the general consensus is going to be with this film. But I just felt, for me, based on everything I've seen about it, that it was might have not have gotten the des- uh, the, res- the the let's say the respect it deserved, because I thought it was a really great movie that warranted for me to watch it more than once. Fantastic! And then you got involved in the comics and all. Yeah. Just like that yeah. was that was just like a spur of the moment kind of thing, and I just saw it. And I'm like, oh, there's a comic, there's another comic uh, canon to this, so I was curious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's just like, well, another, for example, another, maybe I don't know. This one might be a little bit controversial too, but it's like, let's. Uh, have you seen Office Space? I have, yes. Yeah. Now that one probably could be considered a. 
<laughs> probably a cult classic, right? But it's a it's right. a great movie, right? That should have been right. more mainstream. Yeah, I mean, you find that there are lots of films that do tend to get their traction <clears throat> later on down the road, and and that's one of the beauties of film that you can have something that comes out and it not get any recognition, and thirty years later, all of a sudden, yeah. everyone loves it. I mean, I myself. I like Office Space. I it's not for me as big as other people find it, but to <laughs> oh, each man. their own. It's as I say, it's like one of those movies you interesting quote, how from, you quote from quote from constantly and pull from constantly. Yeah, no, that's that's not one for me necessarily <laughs> to quote from, but it was it was definitely an enjoyable film. The one I did see recently, which I don't know if you've seen or not, is Roadhouse. You ever seen that one? The original. Yeah, well, I didn't know there was a remake. Wait, wait, Road, the one with Patrick Swayze, the one with Patrick yeah. Swayze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you seen that? I sorry, I think there might have been, or maybe I'm confusing it with somebody, something else. I, don't quote me on it. I may be wrong about that. If there was a remake to it, or there's maybe talk about it, but yeah, you're talking about. Actually, I haven't seen Roadhouse. It's actually not bad. Is it? Like there are cheesy aspects to it. Um. But it really does have an allure and it has an appeal and, you know, you've got over-the-top characters and all of that and a few exaggerations and some cheesy moments. Well, as I just said, cheesy moments. But I went into it thinking, all right, we've all seen Family Guy. We all know that occasionally <laughs> Peter Griffin references Roadhouse just randomly. Roadhouse. When he's yeah, precisely. Stinks, when he's What's that <laughs> Precisely. Right. So where does that stem from? Why is that referenced in that film? And it's actually all right. Uh, with that said, though, I think it was just last night, my girlfriend put on Grease. I didn't want to watch it. Uh, Don't have a problem with people enjoying musicals. Everything's, you know, people can like whatever they want. And I think I enjoyed it pre... Well, definitely pre-teens, probably pre-10. So, like... I was seven or eight or something like that. Mum took us to see it as a play and such. So I liked it then to a degree. Right. But as an adult watching the film, it's a little bit over the top. And, you know, you've got, maybe I'm wrong on that age, but you've got people in their 30s playing teenagers. Um, <laughs> right. What? Sorry, it's just one to of go, those. Just that, to go back to Roadhouse, what is that movie about? I can't. Essentially, what it's about is a bouncer. So there's a bouncer, Patrick Swayze, who is the bouncer. He's a cooler, right? Yeah. And what a cooler basically is, is the bouncer that leads the bouncers and tries to cool things because we don't want this to escalate. So I'm going to keep it cool. So he, it starts off with him in one particular bar. And then he gets poached to a much more ruffian-based one where everything's much more nefarious and people are more violent in another town. And then it tells the story as it goes into the next town with his life continuing right. over there. And it's actually <laughs> all right. That's it. That's an interesting premise there. I all Honestly, all I know is some bits and pieces of it. And yeah, the family guy bit. Yeah, I never knew anything about that until I saw it. Now that I've seen it, I actually think it's not bad. When did you see it the first time? Two weeks ago. Oh, so this is just fresh. Very, very recent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. 
Now, another one that comes to my mind is uh, Equilibrium with Christian Bale. I don't think I've ever seen that. See, this is the thing. It's just one... <laughs> it's one of those films that's like when I started getting into filmmaking, it was just one of those sci-fi films that I was like, man... It just and I think it's it just came out before the Matrix came out, and it's a it's basically to sum it to to give people the idea what the film is about. It's basically about um, this dystopian future where everybody's emotions have been uh, removed by this drug that's administrated by administrated by the the government, uh, Prozium as it was called, right? And Christian Bale plays this guy named I think it was John Preston. Uh, he's one of the enforcers of the society, and basically, well, one uh, f- through a series of series of um, events, he stops taking the medication and then starts to develop emotions, and then he just starts to rebel against the uh, the authorities. It's so it's very very 1984. I mean, it's like it's unapologetically based on 1984 and and um, a brave new world. But I right. think it was just I really really enjoyed it. Um, and it had some really interesting action in it too, where it had this kind of style of action where they mix the director makes guns with karate or, or martial arts, and they call okay. it called it gun kata, right? But it, there was it was that, and just I just really generally enjoyed the story. Now, like I said, this film went completely under the radar, um, and it kind of developed a little cult following to it and the reason like i said the reason i think it might have it just didn't do well is because i believe it just came out i think it was shortly before the matrix or shortly just after it and just maybe got it just went under the radar and it kind of maybe they had a similar feel to it yeah that's one i haven't seen i heard a lot about another film that came out um that also has a cult following that I couldn't get into that I tried to watch last night. I don't know if you've seen Constantine or not. Oh, Constantine. I, Have you seen that? I love that movie. I, I, don't... I think I saw... I saw about eight or ten minutes of it last night. And as we've discussed before, right. if it doesn't grab me, I'm like, all right. I, you know what? I think... Here's the thing about films, right? And I had this epiphany the other day. It's like, obviously... Not every... Th- I. I think this is going to be a revolutionary take right now. Right now. <laughs> I think I, I'm onto something. All right, revolu- Trump. Revolutionary. All right, Trump. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Some I'll people be- are saying. <laughs> Obviously, as we've noticed, not ev- not everything is everybody's cup of tea. Right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes sci-fi. Not everybody likes romantic comedies. Right? So, we also, we have to keep in mind that when making films or or watching films, it's like it's the odd. There's a specific audience that this film is trying to uh, entertain, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just not. It's just not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Now, Constantine is a fine example of that, right? I for me, I love those. I love the top that kind of topic about like you know spirituality mm-hmm. and demons and angels and that whole thing, right? So if you're just not really into that subject, the film just probably wouldn't work for you. So I yeah, get understand I mean, it, but I remember watching it and I loved it. I even bought the the, the DVD for it. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, 
Another person I know, my girlfriend, whose birthday is August 30th, ironically, and I also know someone else with that birthday. I won't name names. But um, that person loved it. She loved it. <laughs> She's got a good taste. And, well... I think they're talking about a sequel. That, or a TV show. They're always talking about sequels. Or I think they're there's TV shows being made or, or a sequel. What I find interesting is the fact that they're talking about remaking the... Well, not they're talking about... I think they've greenlit The Exorcist. Didn't they make already a remake to that? They or? made an Exorcist television show. I could have sworn they they're they're making made a movie remake. I'm so lost in it. I thought they already even did that. I'm not sure that they did. I, I think could, they may have I could made be a sequel, totally but I don't think like, that they made a remake. You know what? Just to just let everybody know, I think I just assume everything has already been remade, and I've just missed. No, out they on. made sequels. They did not make a remake yet. Right? Maybe I'm confusing it with Doctor Sleep, with The Shining. Did you see Doctor Sleep? No, I didn't see it yet. Was not The Shining. <laughs> I would not imagine it. Was not The Shining. But didn't you like it? Dr. Sleep? Yeah. No. Oh, I, no. I thought it was you that I was talking to that said they loved it. No, no, I have taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Did you see it, though? The, the, yeah. Oh. The Shining, I love. I thought it was Dr. you that Sleep? told me they loved, they, they, they loved Dr. Sleep. No, it definitely wasn't me. I'm a fan of... Uh, Ewan McGregor, who's the lead in it, yeah, I'm a fan of him, but the film did not do it for me, hmm. and I was looking forward to it as well. Well, I kind of just I poo pooed it because it's just like you know how I feel with remakes and reboots, right? Well, this wasn't but, a remake or reboot, this is was a sequel, a sequel based on a sequel novel, right? So, this was Stephen King wrote a book called Dr. Sleep as well. Oh, okay, so this was actually. This yeah. was, okay, so this was actually based on a sequel to The Shining, the book. I believe so, yes. I see, okay. Hmm. Well, I could, maybe I confuse you with somebody else. But, you know, it's funny that you bring up Constantine because that's one of those films, too, that I thought it was underrated. Yeah, I, I'm not part but, of that club. Um, <laughs> but you, you saw the whole thing through. No. No, you didn't. You know me. You know <laughs> Jesus me. Jesus Christ. So you didn't see the whole thing through. <laughs> Maybe, I'm very you know, busy. Some, I've got some, stuff to do. You know what? For the first 10 minutes, I wasn't into the Joker. Wow. I'll be, I'll be okay, honest with you. Well, the first 10 or 15 minutes, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And then it just at a certain point, then I got into it. There are films like that um, where there is a very slow burn. And I appreciate that. But I think I've become accustomed to the modern model of film where they have something grab you within the first 10 minutes and that's kind of the golden rule of screenplays as well within the first 10 pages they say and as a result it means you want someone to care as soon as possible because if they care they'll ride out with it but if they don't care then it's going to be sort of it's going to be more of a chore for them whereas if you look at films that were made sort of 80s and pre-80s those sorts of films would be over two hours, maybe three hours in length. And it would be, as you said, a much slower burn mm-hmm. where you would have to get more involved. Yeah. Um, 
I know. I I mean, you. The thing is, it would be nice to have the audience in the first minute, right? But because of this, the nature of this art form, right, or any art form, it's subjective, right? right? So you may not. I mean, as as and as with any film, you may never have the the person watching it, but the person next to them, it might be different. Of course. Of course, as I say, it might be a really good film. Maybe I'll go back to it. But yeah, I know what you mean, though. But I know what you mean. For me, it's like I can just tell if the film hasn't grabbed me within the first, I'd say max and maximum 20 minutes. Rarely, rarely. It's very, very rarely that it's going to grab me after that. Because I think I do believe, yeah, if you don't have the person within the first 20 minutes, even that's pushing it. It's like it's you. You probably don't have them at all. You're probably not going to get them at that point. I mean, the idea is is we all have so, or, or the majority of us have so little time to waste. We've got so many things going on, infinite distractions, infinite obligations, so on and so forth. And so, when a story is told, there has to be a thread. There has to be a nugget. And if it grips you, then you're going to stay there and you're going to be committed for the whole thing. Yeah. And if it doesn't then it does tend to be a chore. I'm sure you've had this experience with television shows as well. You watch the first episode, you watch the pilot, and you're just like, eh. Yeah. And it's lucky that they have you continue to the next episode, if that's the case. Like, for example, The Sopranos. I was not into the first episode. Right. The second episode, as you just said, the second episode grabbed me and hooked me, and then I was in. Yeah. But that's, you know, we're talking, that's going to be at least 70 minutes of my time before I start to get interested. It's a, it's a TV shows is a bit different because I've had that before too, where I've watched, um, I mean, there's shows that I've loved too. And then uh, I didn't, for some reason, I probably didn't even get, I wasn't really, really into it until like the tech sec, maybe the third episode or something like that. And it's a miracle right. I even got it that far. Because if it's like two episodes in and it's like, this is not getting me, it's usually I'm out. And you're not starved for choice, and that's the problem. No, there's because, definitely there's a lot of choices out there, as we, as well, we see. And the thing about certain older TV shows and the reason why they were so successful is because you didn't really have much of a choice. So it'd be like, okay, you've got limited amount of channels, you've got yeah. to choose something, and then you'll stick with it. When you have hundreds of channels and... God knows how many unwatchable hours of content. <laughs> unwatchable being choices. like unwatchable because you just don't have the time or it's just unwatchable because it's just crap. Well, I meant the time, but both could apply. <laughs> right. But uh, you do have, you have choice. And that means if things aren't up to par, there's no reason why I can't just change the channel or stream a different particular movie or show because you're not entertaining me. And that entertainment could be of any form. And like you said, perspectives are individual. Yeah. Everything is subjective with regards to what you do or don't like. And this... No one's wrong or right, apart from, of course, myself or you. We are the only ones that are right. But <laughs> by and large... The name of the podcast should be. Yeah. Shouldn't have called it Broken English Films. Mm. Should have called it The Always Right People. I, I, we're going to stop this. <laughs> We'll figure. Well, don't worry. We'll figure. We'll figure it out later. I think we're good with the band as is, but yeah, but just kind of. But it's it, 
if for you has there was there a film that you've seen that you felt that just did not get like that really bothered you that it didn't get the 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 the, the accolation and the, maybe the box office dollars that it should have and it just kind of really left you scratching your head uh yes there are hundreds of indie films that come under that banner right and hundreds of foreign films that come under that banner for me just an an absolutely innumerable amount i suppose in terms of the box office draw where all the ducks were in the row but it didn't end up taking flight would be stardust which i've mentioned i think on the podcast before which i don't know if you've seen or no. not yet no so stardust was released in 2007 and it was based off of, I believe, a Neil Gaiman book. Hmm. And it had big names in it. had De Niro, had uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, had Ricky Gervais, had a bunch of people, reputable people. And it was kind of a fantasy. Well, not it wasn't kind of a fantasy. It was a fantasy tale done excellently. Great humor, great acting, great everything. It looked fantastic. Correct. And it went nowhere. Right. Again, critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. And had all the things, had all the building blocks, which should have added up to box office success. Right. But it didn't. It just didn't. Why do you think that was? For that particular film, I think yeah. it had to do with um, what felt like a lack of marketing. Hmm. Interesting. A lack of marketing. Because the thing is, if you don't have enough people yeah. see the trailer, if you don't have enough people see the poster, then yes, you can rely on the star power associated with it. But it's harder, like any product. If you want to sell a product, people need to know about the Yeah, product. yeah. I think, actually, you make a good point because I think some of these films that, that come to my mind, most of them... Or if not, I mean, a lot of them, if not most of them, I think were victim to just not that great marketing or just the lack of marketing. Like when I mentioned Equilibrium, right? right? It's just like when I think back about it, it's like, yeah, I hardly ever remember seeing a trailer for that. I don't even know what even compelled me to even watch the film in the first place. I do remember uh, before he became big. I remember when I first fell in love with Christopher Nolan's work and it was Memento. Yeah, Memento was, Memento was great. Because Memento I saw in the theater randomly. Oh, really? Absolutely randomly. I just, I think, I forget whether I was working in a movie theater at the time or not. I think I may have been, or maybe I was just inspired to go see the film. But it was one of those things where... I find there's nothing more appealing than seeing a film in theaters that you know nothing about. I love that too. <laughs> if I, if honestly, if I, if I was able, to, if I was living in a movie theater, that would be the thing. I would just randomly walk into just films, especially the ones I have well, no idea about. Well, I had a friend of mine recently ask me the premise for Tenet. Yeah. And I went, <laughs> I watch it. I just watch the film. They'll what? tell you the premise within the film. Right. You will find it all out as you're watching it. I don't. Here's the thing about Tenet. It's like I don't even really know what it's ultimately about, right? But that's good because I love. I don't want to know too much about a film going into it. 
I just want to get right. I just want to get a little sample. Give me the trailer. Just, you know, entice me with it and just don't reveal too much because I want to go in there not knowing as much as possible. I just need to get you know, we've it's like choosing a book based off its cover, I guess, right? Maybe. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. I don't want I just don't want for movies, right? I just like to go in there not knowing anything as or just not knowing all too much about it because it just ruins a lot of the surprise and the magic. I like to know as this yeah i'm the same i like to know as little as possible i like to go into it and see what it does for me we're not being paid for that <laughs> i just thought i could join like in michael s- buble <laughs> yeah i like to see what a film does i like up to the film to perform memento was one of those films that uh I picked up in my for uh, when I was my brief brief stint in film school. Yeah, that's a that's an episode in itself. But it was my brief stint at the, the film school, and somebody told me to watch it, so I rented it from the library or the film school library or whatever it was. And it was like, God damn, that was a film. But I didn't really know <laughs> too much about it. But I watched it, and I'm like, God damn, that was a film, right? Now that's a premise. I just love those kinds of films where it's like you know this somebody's being creative here, right? You know, we have thought well, and that, going backwards that, would work. Well, that leads me as well on to Oliver Stone. Mm. Now Oliver Stone recently came out with his memoir. I believe it's called Chasing the Light. I saw him a couple of years ago here in Vancouver. Oh yeah, yeah. Why? He what was, was he promoting? He was promoting. He's promoting it again too. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast, but he was promoting this series called "Untold Stories of uh, the Untold History of America," and now it's on Netflix actually. Uh, really? It, yeah, it just recently came out. It was so it's a documentary with a few episodes, and it's just basically it's it's not revisionist, but it just tells you it it kind of goes into the different aspects of American history, and it tells you a different angle about it. So mm. he was here. It was so much. Yeah. I even have a recording of it. There was a Q&A after, but he was promoting it here. And I went to go see him. It was at the Orpheum or it was a Vogue theater. I can't remember. But I love all of stone and love documentaries and I love history. So I was just like, I'm going to go buy a ticket. And I saw him and he got to watch maybe it was one episode of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a Q&A after about it, which was interesting in itself. But uh yeah. Uh, well, so what are you sorry? What were you saying about Oliver Stone? Well, essentially, the reason why I was bringing up Oliver Stone had to do with the fact that you were revering Memento, and you were revering how well it was done and how unique it was, and the boundary pushing that is associated with that. Yeah. With Chasing the Light, with his work, he has been talking about how impossible it is today to be able to make a lot of films that he has made. And even back then, when he made films like Platoon and other ones that followed that, he would get financing from foreign countries to be able to do it because he couldn't get companies in the US to pour money into these stories. Apparently, he had a story about uh, Martin Luther King, except it it showed MLK in a more rounded form, Hmm. as in it showed him as being a bit of a womanizer and some other things. Yeah. You know, and it 
it was an exploration into a person rather than an image of a person rather yeah. than historical reverence right. and all this other stuff. And what he was talking about was the fact that in order to get money locally for a lot of his projects, he had trouble then. He said now it yeah. would be impossible for him. It seems like the whole, and I, and I was watching him talk about that recently too. And, and I, I be, uh, even though I'm still technically outsiders, I don't doubt that. Uh, since then, you've just kind of observed how what movies are being financed, who's financing right. them. And it just seems like from his day to now, it's like a whole different beast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just a totally different climate, right? Because of this, there's been this consolidation of media companies and a different allocation of capital and the perception of films that... And I think you're going to start seeing this now where... You really unique films might get a really hard time getting funded, or really controversial, controversial or touchy things. May and I think that's horrible. Hmm? I think that's horrible. No, it's terrible. I think that I think film needs to be like any other art form, organic. Yeah, and I'm 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 telling you, man, and I'm I'm seeing it. It's just when I what what I see these days, it's. It's it's not it's not a coincidence that he says something like that, and it's what I'm observing too with a lot of the films that are coming out mm-hmm. in the last decade. It's just 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 something. There's something missing. To, for a lack of a better term, there just seems to be something missing, and I think is one of the big aspects of it is what actually is getting the attention and the money. Right, and we know what that is. <laughs> Well, I mean, not to. I was reading recently. I was reading this uh, Washington Post article about um, one thing, and I, and I know this is going to be a very touchy subject. This could be a whole nother uh, podcast, but the influence of Chinese money in the film industry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was basically just showing how a lot of the stuff you've been watching has been propag- pretty much you can sum up as propaganda from the Communist Party. Because you can just, and some of those films I watched and I had the exact, honestly, I had the exact thought in my mind. It's like, oh my God. Did you watch Transformers? Which one was it? I know, I know you're the biggest no. Transformers fan. So I'm watching, did you no. watch the, <laughs> I believe it no. was the fourth one with the dinosaur. <laughs> no. Was it the third one or the fourth one? Fuck. But I just remember, and this one, oh, I barely made it through it, but. I barely made it through the first one. Oh my god! And I stopped there. Don't worry, folks. I'm going to edit my this. My friends out. put on the second one. <laughs> my my friends put on the second one, and I'm just like, yeah. Don't worry, folks. We'll edit this part out. You won't hear that. But it was right around. I believe it was it Age of Extinction, or I, it was the third or fourth one. And I'm watching it, and then like the the third the third act, just I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is just Chinese propaganda. And it was so, I mean, it was hard to get through the film at that point, but that last act was just so cringy because, and obviously, and I knew before it got, it got a, I, I got a significant amount of its funding from um, uh, a Chinese uh, film company, might even been Tencent or something like that, but, but I'm watching it and it's like, it's, it's obviously glorifying 
it, it kind of pu- puffs up the Chinese military and the government and everything like that. And it, it, it was just honestly, it was so I, I had my eyes in the back of my head for the last 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it was on it, because it was like, OK, I see what's going on here, Michael. And it was it was just really uncomfortable. But then again, one can say, I mean, maybe his films have been propaganda for the U.S. military, but. But nevertheless, 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 yeah, I don't remember the last Michael Bay film I enjoyed. (laughs) Come on, you got to name, you got to have enjoyed one of them. Bad Boys. No. (laughs) The Rock. No. Oh, The Rock. Oh, The Rock. Yes. Come on. Okay. Finally got you. Got one. However, got one from you. Finally. But The Rock I saw when I was... 14 or 15 Welcome or to the however rock. old Sean Connery yeah no nah, Sean Connery you can't <laughs> yeah. pretend like it's not going to be good automatically but beyond that I don't Nicolas really Cage. remember the film Boy went crazy <laughs> Nicolas Cage my god yeah yeah um, but going but going back to that I mean I think that we could t- that's another topic in itself too where it's just like movies and being funded and um What's just getting out there? Oliver Stone is just one of those pioneers that I remember. You know, watching JFK, it's one of those movies that's like, I remember watching it and it's like, God damn, this is a film. I want to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you could take, I mean, he, he took a lot of liberties with it, but it was, I still think it was a great, fantastic film. Right, but I think that was an interesting argument I'd heard once made by the guy that wrote The Dallas Buyers Club. Right. You ever see that film? No, I didn't get to, I, I haven't actually watched that one. Uh, it right? is the I believe Matthew McConaughey won an Oscar for it. Yeah, he did. Now, I know Jared Leto did for his supporting role. Anyway, the Dallas Buyers Club was based upon a character. I believe it was a Texan. Yeah. Dallas, Texas. Go to clever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, the scriptwriter of it spent some time with the protagonist of who it's based on. Mm-hmm. And people told him afterwards, you know, I'm sorry, but you got this wrong, and you got that wrong, and you got this wrong, and you got that wrong. He said, what are you talking about? They go, well, you've got him in the film wearing a cowboy hat all the time, and wearing this all the time, and speaking like this, and doing like that. And he said, yeah, because when I was around him, he did that. Yeah, but he didn't do that all the time. Okay, well, it's a movie, not a documentary. Right. And here's where you need to delineate between the two. If you are doing something like a JFK or like what Oliver Stone was alluding to with the MLK film, etc., you have the option of artistic liberties in fiction. Yeah. It is not a documentary. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that it, was the thing he insisted upon with regards to the Dallas Buyers Club. Well, I think that's like a minor detail when it comes to like what the, the attire he was wearing, right? But it's this, and this is the thing about when you're watch. This is the thing about when you're watching a biopic, right? they mm-hmm. do take liberties so you have to watch and i know this and i'm i'm very aware of this when i'm watching a biopic that you have to understand don't take this as like a 100% accurate representation of the events and the people because well that's why they they take a lot of based liberties based on it's based on it but don't treat it as like you you don't don't watch that film and think that was the uh, 
an accurate depiction, a hundred percent accurate historical depiction of what the events and those people in the, uh, mm-hmm. and those characters and the people that were in the, the event, because they always things are all when it comes to these things, the things are always modified. You know, artistic liberties are taken, right? That that uh, modifies the historical accuracy of the of the actual uh, event. So you have to be very, very mindful when watching these things. No, you definitely do. But even so, it's a question of how you will digest it and how you'll enjoy it or what your thoughts are on the film. Things have to be taken. An artistic piece is an artistic piece. One film I did recently see, which wasn't quite a biopic, but it was based on a true story slash article, was It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, the one uh, with, uh, based on Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah, and I didn't grow up in North America, and in England, I don't remember ever seeing Mr. Rogers. Maybe it was Ed, maybe it wasn't, who knows? I didn't see it anyway in my childhood. But I know since coming here, the the following and the love and the appreciation that anyone that grew up within that time period tends to have. A friend of mine approached me, and she said to me, you know what, I never really liked Tom Hanks, which firstly I thought she's crazy for saying such an outlandish comment. I would stop the conversation right there and just... (laughs) (laughs) But then she went, but then she went, the film I just saw though, which I didn't want to see, which I really loved and I thought he was amazing in, was A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. And she told me this about four or five months ago. So I watched the film a couple of nights ago Mm -hmm. and it's great. Right, okay. It's great. It's based around a person who interviewed him and wrote a very in-depth article where he apparently spent a lot of time with the character, with Mr. Rogers, the actual person. And the film itself is done very, very well. Right. And it's a feel-good film. I thoroughly recommend that one. Okay, I'll check it out. Because I actually am curious about that one. I never... um, That's not like I never, but... um, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest, I was, I, I grew up watching a lot of uh, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. I caught it a few, I caught it here and there in my childhood, but it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I, I watched regularly, but I was very, very mm-hmm. aware of Mr. Rogers and, and the show and watched a few maybe episodes, but I'm not going to say, you know, I, I was a diehard kind of, mm-hmm. you know, watcher. Right. It's a great film. I was not in any way, uh, aware of any of the diff like for for my girlfriend watching the show there were personal things that were associated with it sort of little bits of nostalgic remake and all the rest of it that wasn't there for me but i still felt the film worked and it resonated with me and i i really do sing its praises it was done well it's one of those films where as you were referring to at the top of this it is definitely an underrated one yeah so you think it's underrated? The radar. Pardon? You think it's underrated? Didn't do well. Didn't get the traction that I thought it would. The, the, it had a theatrical release, right? But it didn't get much traction. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't even follow. I did never followed up on how the how well that movie did, or what it, traction it did get. I do, but I know there was a lot of promotion for it. I mean, I was very aware of it. But you say, was it critically? What was it critically? Uh, I don't know how it was revered or rejected critically, and then speaking, but I do know. Pardon? Speaking of that, I think 
I think it goes back to what I was saying about the <laughs> reviews in general. Because I find that there's a lot of films that that have been reviewed and it's and the reviewer I think there just seems to be a disconnect with the reviewer and the film because it's like it's like me going into a film that's so like let's say a princess barbie film or something like that that's made for 10 year old girls right now I can review a film like that but what am I reviewing it on basically it's not a film that's made for me Right, but I think that's where the parameters of a critic come in and the different nuances that there are. So, for example, if I am someone that does review said films, right. you would have to, that would have to be your field. I would. So it would have to be, okay, I know the quality of your 10-year-old film or your Barbie film or whatever, and I've seen a hundred of them, and I know what works, and I know what doesn't, I know what kids like, I know what they don't like. It all depends on what the demographic is. Now, if you're talking about films like what we're talking about here, it's in a lot of ways down to subjectivity yeah, and overall how the plot does or doesn't work cohesively, and then personal preference. Yeah, it just reminds me, for example, when the, when the forums used to be open on IMDb, right? Mm. And you just kind of see... To me, just going through different kinds of films, you just see a lot of the user reviews would be based on, I wouldn't say trolling, but films that, films, some films were being slammed because yeah. you had an influx of people who just hated the subject matter in general, right? Hated the genre, but weren't, so they just came in there with them. They just came in there with that kind of energy, right? And push the review the, the numbers down just based on their inherent negativity to this genre i think that's why people like roger ebert and leonard Maltin and these other people who are a.o scott who are very much revered critics i think that's why there should be a delineation between the profession of critiquing and your run-of-the-mill opinions are like assholes because everyone's got one (laughs) and everyone has an opinion on whatever film be they right or wrong but if you look at the majority of revered critics or reputable ones that work for a publication that actually takes pride in someone doing a good job where it's not just sort of like all right write the first thing you think about this but it's actually take the time to consider what you've seen Mm -hmm what you've experienced, see what worked, see what didn't work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's something to be said for that, and I think there's some praise to be given. And when you do leave the floodgates open for everyone to voice their opinion, you will get, as you say, the trolls. You'll get the people to go, I don't like his face, so I'm going to comment and go, oh, this was an awful film. I don't like her, so I'm going to comment, you know. It's it, it just I asked this question because, you know, there's been thing, there's things that come along, and it's like, well, this is just not going to be my cup of tea but i'm supposed to but what is my opinion based on then if if somebody wanted me to write a review on this thing and it's like well this is just clearly not a a film made for me like let's say let's say give an example like twilight right there's millions and millions of people who loved it but it's just something for me it's just not for me right the subject matter is just not for me but if I was forced to watch it or review it, then what would I be reviewing it on, knowing that inherently this is just not going to work for me? I don't think the intention should ever be 
that you know inherently it's not going to work for you. I think what it should be is if you are in a situation where you will have to watch it. And I'm saying that because I have seen them because my girlfriend liked them. Mm -hmm. But if you are in a situation where you do have to watch a film like that, you go into it and you say, all right, surprise me. Show me what I'm wrong about. Show me what people have appealed to it. I think in the general critiquing sense, it is based upon what you, the audience you're going towards. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm reviewing a musical and I don't like musicals, I shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah, it should be my field of expertise whereby I can say this is good or this is bad based on my knowledge of this, based on this, based on that. But speaking of Twilight, just a sentence that I never ever <laughs> thought I'd utter. I wanted to mention about how crazily successful both the two leads in that film, uh, Christian Stewart and Robert Pattinson, have managed to transition away from it. Mm -hmm. Because they are set for life. They've got their Twilight money. Yeah. Which I was in a couple of them. Right? Right. You wouldn't see me, but anyway. Um, <laughs> they were shot here. But they've managed to transition away from the, oh yeah, you guys are the Twilight people, right. to more so, Robert Pattinson is the fucking Batman now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Good for him. I mean, it's good for him that he was able to get out of that. Well, I mean, he's, well, not he's get out of it, it's a bad thing, but just uh, diversify himself from that. Now, Christian yeah, Stewart, I, I, have, I haven't, I don't watch a whole lot of stuff with her, but she definitely has gotten out. They, they've definitely both gotten out of that. Yeah, those. Uh, they both moved into the indie world more. Um, I think, I know Christian Stewart was more in it beforehand. Well, not that much more because she was pretty young when she did Twilight, but they both moved into like Christian Stewart's done personal shopper. Robert Pattinson's done a couple of New York films. Um, he's done a space film, all these ones, which you would not assume, I guess when you have a young actor that ends up in a role, you assume they're just going to end up doing all these bubblegum things forever. Cause they pay a lot, right. etc. Or they get, yeah, get pigeonholed or they just, just completely disappear. That's all right. That's a, <laughs> Like, like that's a big one, right? They just completely fall off the radar, which happens to a lot of. It seems to be happening to a lot of act, uh, actors and stars these days, just completely fall off the radar. But moving on from that, what did you think of the Batman trailer? Um, it looked really interesting. I like this take on it. Um, it's just it's fascinating with the bat with Batman because. It's like, where do you go from here with it? You know? Especially after the Nolan ones, right? I mean, even the Burton... I mean, the even the Tim Burton ones were... I, I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, then you had the Nolan ones, were, which just put it to another level. But it's just like, when it comes to Batman and, these, and even these superhero films, it's like, well, what do you do now? <laughs> right? It's like, do we just keep doing it where... Just kind of reimagining it, revisioning it every time, and just hope that uh, and just see, you know, there's a new take on it will, will, will be fresh. I hope so because, like I said, there's no bigger Batman fan out there than me. I know a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I love Batman, so I I'm really, really. I mean, when this comes out, I'll be there definitely. 
and there's nothing in there and then there's nothing in that trailer that I see that I rejected. I'm like, okay, this seems very, very, this seems pretty interesting. I mean, it does take, it takes the DC world in a direction that I like. Right. I like dark superhero films. I yeah. like those ones. I haven't watched much of the Marvel stuff, I'll be honest, but I do, I really like the Nolan trilogy. And I think that it would have been very hard to go from what Nolan did to do another Batman film. Yeah. And it looks like it might be being achieved. It looks like it because um, I've met Matt Reeves. I've seen. Some, oh, yeah. Yeah. I I was a uh, I was a soldier on Planet of the Apes. Oh, he did Planet of the Apes. Yeah. The, the no, the the what was the last one what was the last one called the rise War, of the was it? war for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Did he do rise? Well, and I've seen what he'd done with it because it's actually pretty interesting because for me, I watched the first Planet of the Apes and I was just like, oh, my God, like I just <laughs> I didn't like it and I just watched it. And then I watched the second one and I think, yeah, the second. You mean the first first or the first new one? The Not the Tim. How do I explain the first? Because we have the Tim Burton one. Right. But then the one that came after that with uh, what's his name? Franco, James Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that was just called Planet of the Apes, right? Or was it right? I don't quite know the trilogy or <laughs> quadrilogy or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> Hold on, let's look it up here. But I did like the newer versions. I did enjoy those. I the first one that came out. So okay, what was it? Okay, yeah. So it was that that first one that came out. I didn't care for it, it and it was just. I, I just really didn't care for it. But then I just, for some reason, I sat down and I watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, right? Not really knowing right. what was going to happen, who was doing it. And I was just like watching it. And I'm like, huh, this one seems different. And I just remember vividly watching it. And I'm like, seeing how it was flowing. It was like, clearly this one had a fresh interest. Even the way the camera was moving, I could just tell this was being done by somebody different. Um, it seemed fresh. It seemed really interesting. It seemed well thought out, right? And I was really engaged in it. And then I was mm -hmm. an extra on the, was it the, the War for the Planet of the Apes? So I got to actually see him up close, you know, working and doing his thing. So I'm like, okay, this guy seems like he's pretty competent with it. And I watched the film, and it was a pretty competent film. So, um, knowing so knowing that he was the director and writer of it, I'm like, okay, well, this might be a, this might be something that it's going to turn out really well because I think they have a competent person working on it. I just love the, I, I love the aesthetic of it. I love the ultra violence of Batman when he's dealing with one of the guys in the scene. I love the, the Nirvana song that played. Right. Yeah. I, I just thought it was. And that Batmobile. The, yeah. It just looked so well done. It just, the thing is, I just didn't even know who the main villain was though. Until I had to read I, it up. And again, it, again, it doesn't matter. I think it's the Riddler, actually. Because <laughs> I couldn't it, really tell who, who it was, right? But I was like, still, it looks really good. It looks really... It looks really interesting. Yeah, the Riddler. It feels much more along sort of a sidestep of the Nolan ones. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. it's. This is going to be P it's PG-13, right? Or is it rated is it? R? I hope it's R. 
this is what I'm wondering. It's like, is this a is this a hard R movie? Because that would be the I first. I really hope so. This would be the first. Because if they're doing this, because I would wa- I would think that would be the greatest take on this if they did what they did for the Joker and they did it with this, where it's just a gritty, violent Batman. There are no specific things with anything like a rating because, of course, yeah. it's not complete yet. I wonder. But from what it looks like, it and I mean, look, you got Paul Dano in it for God's sake. Yeah. Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, Andy Serkis, Peter Skarsgård, sorry, Sarsgaard, John Tortoro, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be good. Yeah, it looks really interesting. Again, we just see another trailer not, from it. I would be very surprised if it's not up to par. Twenty twenty one. The Batman. I <laughs> so you and on that gonna, note, you're gonna still see the you're gonna st- see the tenant. <laughs> you're gonna wait for. We'll talk about we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. All right. On, on that, that note, note, thank you for listening. It's if been you a did, pleasure. If you skimmed through it, thanks for well, watching. You missed a lot. And until next time, folks. Stay safe out there. Keep it tuned to Broken English Films and everything we do. There's a lot coming. If you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. And it will be underrated like Stardust and Blade Runner 2049. And Equilibrium. And Equilibrium. Go watch that. And Roadhouse. Watch (laughs) Roadhouse. It's on Netflix right now. After Equilibrium. You're quarantined. You've got no choice. All right, folks. Adios. Hasta luego.